You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. Hey, Young and Profiters, I'm your host, Hala Taha, and today you're in for a special treat. I'm replaying my guest appearance on the podcast, Good Money with Derek Kinney. I loved this conversation with Derek so much so I wanted you all to hear it too. We got into some great topics that I think will resonate with all of my ambitious listeners out there who are looking to make a bigger impact on the world. I share the story behind Young and Profiting and Yap Media. I give advice on how to start a side hustle. I talk about how I maximized my time while working full-time at Disney streaming services to build my business and my brand on the side all the sacrifices necessary to chase my dreams and how money can be used as a tool for good and so much more. Derek, the financial expert, entrepreneur, and author who is interviewing me in this episode also came onto Yap recently. I hosted him on a LinkedIn Live episode back in February of 2022, and we talk about his new book, Good Money Revolution. This book recently came out, and it's already a Wall Street Journal bestseller. If you're interested in growing your wealth while also aligning your profits to a purpose, definitely check out his new book. It comes highly recommended by me. I flipped through that book super quickly because it was just so easy to read and packed with actionable advice. You can find all the links you need for the Good Money Revolution book or for Derek's podcast in the show notes. And now for my guest appearance on the Good Money Podcast with Derek Kinney. It's great to have you with us. And I wanted to bring you on to talk to our listeners about starting a side hustle while working full-time. So let's kind of dive right into that. What led you to start the Young and Profiting podcast while working full time and probably not an easy job at Disney? Yeah, 100%. It was not an easy job. It was a very serious job. So I do want to clarify something. I actually started the podcast when I was working at Hewlett Packard. Oh, and it was okay. right before I left Hewlett Packard. Uh, but you're you're around correct in terms of the timeline. It was like right before I left Hewlett Packard, I decided to launch this podcast. And it was all because I actually was uh, familiar with the broadcasting industry. I started my career in radio. I used to work at Hot 97. It was a number one hip hop and R&B station. Okay. And uh, all throughout my 20s, I had online radio shows. I had a Facebook show. I had a YouTube show. And I had many different online radio shows, but they were mostly centered around music and popular culture. And when I started my job at HP, um, it was my first time I was working in corporate 
from my from when I was pretty young in my in my early 20s, I started becoming an entrepreneur and I had an entertainment news site and was really used to being an entrepreneur, but I wasn't very good at making money as an entrepreneur back then. Right. I didn't have enough skills. So when I went into corporate, I actually learned a lot about marketing and I was very good at my corporate job and got moved around uh, all the time and promoted all the time. And then I decided, you know what? Hey, I have something to teach people now. I actually know how to make money and I'm still relatively young. I had made my first six figures working at HP and I thought that I had something to share. The other reason why is because I wanted to learn from all the, these experts and I felt like there was a gap available. And I felt like, you know what? I think if I just tell people that I have all this previous radio experience and I have this new idea, that people may give me a shot. And I was right because I remember when I was recording my first episode, I got a chance to interview my favorite author of all time for interview number one, which was Dr. Jack Schaefer. He wrote The Like Switch. And all I did was email him and say like, hey, I've got this idea. This is not my first rodeo. Like, Take a chance on me. And he was like, sure, kid, uh, whatever. You wow, know? that's and great. So- so I got my favorite author on right away. And then it was just like uphill from there. I got David Allen on episode five. I got Chase Hughes on episode eight. I had Chris Voss on by episode 23. Wow. Like yes. it just really skyrocketed pretty fast in terms of the guests. Um, and that was because I was a relatively early adopter and I had a lot of experience and passion. And I think people could feel that. As you said that, Hala, what came to my mind was you didn't oversell yourself. You had an air of humility by saying, hey, take a chance on me. And for many people, they like that air of vulnerability and it draws people to you as opposed to trying to make yourself out to somebody you're not. I mean, do you find that to be the case? Oh, yeah, 100%. I felt like because I was really honest, like, hey, like the show hasn't launched yet, or hey, I literally have no following, but I have all this credibility from past experiences. I did have a huge blog site when I was 24. I did lead 50 female bloggers. I did almost get a show on MTV. So they thought like, okay, this girl obviously has potential. She hasn't yet figured it out, but she's got a little bit of potential. And I think sometimes that's all you need to show is that you have the potential. For somebody listening right now that's vacillating on what should a side hustle be for them, they they may like or dislike their full-time job, but they want to make some extra money. What is the thought process you would guide them through to say, here might be a couple of things for them to consider? Yeah. So something that I want to make clear is that when I started the podcast, I really thought it was going to be a hobby forever and I would never make money out of it. Interesting. Okay. The thing that really got me to quit my job was starting the agency because that actually was monetizable. And that was created because I was getting so much demand. So I think the perfect side hustle is something that you love to do that people also want. And it's something that you probably don't think about often. And it's you've got to really think about what people are asking you for. So for example, when I had the podcast and I was interviewing all these celebrities, I would finish the interview and they'd be like, wow, that was so good. Your research team is so good. Then they would say like, oh my gosh, like I saw your videos on LinkedIn. They're so good. Who does them for you? And I'd be like, oh, it's just my my intern team. You know, uh, I do them myself. I have a full-time job. And, and they would say, well, could you do that for me? And I would always say no. I'd okay. be like, no, I don't have time. You know, I, I've, I've got a big, you know, I've got a lot of my plate. I've got a, a full-time job. And then eventually I realized, well, why don't I give this a shot? Everybody keeps asking me the same questions. So you really got to think about what is everybody asking you and asking you for in terms of your skills? 
Can you monetize that? Do you love doing that? Maybe that can be your side hustle. So step one is ask yourself, what are people naturally asking me to help solve their problem for, as opposed to creating this whole grand business plan? Just ask yourself, what am I good at and what problems am I helping solve? And as you said, then the next step is how easily can I monetize that? I mean, is that really as simple as the first step that people should take with this? Yeah, 100%. I would think about what you're good at and what people ask you for. And if you like doing that thing that people are asking you for, then that could be a great way to start monetizing your side hustle right away, rather than thinking of this complete new idea where you have to learn a new skill and start from the ground up. If you start where there's demand, it's so much easier to kind of lean into that and scale that idea. I love that. If you start where there's demand, that's a good uh, note to take right there. Now, like all of us, you only have 24 hours in the day. But half your day is obviously spent at work. What do you do to manage your time to get everything done? And if you can, Hala, be as granular as possible, because I think a lot of people see someone like yourself and they say, oh, they're just automatically successful. I can't even do that. But what you're saying is that's not true. You're actually training people how to be successful, but help us manage time like you do. Sure. So... The way that I made it work when I was working full-time and growing this number one podcast, and then eventually I had a podcast and an agency with 30 people on my team, right, right, okay. is because I maximized every minute of my day. I was not wasting any time. So first of all, I only used my time in a productive way. So that meant no TV whatsoever. Literally, I just started watching TV again. I did not watch TV for four years. And I mean like nothing, right? Wow. Okay, let me let me stop there. That may blow some people's minds. Literally no TV at all. No, I did use social media and things like that, but I never watched TV. Wow. And to this day, I have a a new apartment. I've been here for three months. I've never turned on the TV. Okay. I have cable and I've never turned it on because you know what? There's always something more productive for me to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that is a waste of my time. If you think about how much time that will unlock, if you spend two hours a day watching TV times that you've got 14 hours that you can build a side hustle if you Mm. just take TV out of the way, right? So that was a huge one for me. Just I removed TV. That meant I still did like date nights once in a while to watch movies with my boyfriend. But other than that, no TV, like on a daily basis. I woke up extra early to work before I had to hop on the train. This was before COVID. And I would even work on the train. So one of the things that I did was utilize my subway rides every single day to work towards my side hustle. At the time, I was growing a following on LinkedIn. That's that's the first channel that I really grew. Even before my podcast, my, my LinkedIn profile actually became popular first. And I spent every day writing my first post of the day on the train. And I would I would have that goal that like on the train, my one job is to post on LinkedIn. And now a quick break from our sponsors. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with to look up how to solve their problems 
to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Give our listeners the number right now. How many LinkedIn followers do you have right now? I have 141,000 or 42,000. Every It grows like 1,000 every other day. So yeah. I think I'm at like 142,000. Well, and let me drive people to you on LinkedIn because one of the things I see modeled is consistency. And mm-hmm. I see quality. And I see value. In other words, there's so many posts that are just hey, here's my favorite meatloaf recipe, but did that really improve my life? Probably not. But what you're talking about is, here. here's what I'm thinking about in the new year. Here's how to face a challenge. Here's how to handle a hard thing. And you're relatable to people. They're like, yeah, that's how I feel. And then you give a couple of points that they can take action on. So what I'm hearing you say was, you made a goal of every day on the subway, that's my number one thing. I've literally won the day with my side hustle by doing one thing. Yeah. So I, I would give myself these little goals of yeah, like, like, okay, that. I'm going to just do one, um, like my job for the subway. I got 40 minutes to think of a post, get the inspiration for it, write it. And then in between stops, 
send it like, you know, push it right, live. Right. You know, okay. that was that was the goal. And at the time, I didn't even do anything that fancy. Like it was mostly text posts or like I prepared the graphic the night before or in the morning before I got on the train because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to like whip out a computer and, and figure all that stuff out on the train. It was mostly the caption. But, you know, that was really great because at the end of the year, I had accumulated 60,000 followers, which was a big deal yes. and really got me to the next level. On the way home on the subway, my job was to engage. So I would respond to all my DMs. I took my job at Disney really seriously. So at Disney, I worked for Disney. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then it was just the subway ride there and the subway ride back would be all the engagements and responding to my DMs and my comments because it's important to also, you know, nurture your community. And so I knew that as well. During lunchtime... I would always work on my side hustle as well. So I really took... You know, a lot of people go to work and they don't take their hour break. I had interviews during my break. I've interviewed huge people in like little phone booths. Uh, <laughs> when I was working for Disney, I would be like, you know, it. about... Uh, interviewing Chris Voss or, you know, Dave Asprey or something like in a conference room that I had to like squat in all day just to make sure I had a spot. And so I would also do interviews almost twice a week uh, in the in the conference rooms during my lunch hour. So there is like no excuse. My podcast was like huge and I was still working my butt off at Disney. So I, I utilized every second. Then the other thing is that I like, to be honest, I stop getting eight hours of sleep. You know, I was getting like, this is not something that I highly recommend, but you know what? Sometimes you just got to hustle and put in the work. I was getting like five hours of sleep max because I would work until midnight on, on, on everything, uh, most nights and just work after work. So you really have to have a strong work ethic. And for me, it was all about making sure that I utilize all the time. I didn't have unproductive time. And I was in a relationship that was very understanding. And I also was dating somebody who worked at night. And so that worked to my benefit where he would go to the studio. He's a music producer. He would leave around 10 and I'd be like, all right, it's side hustle time, you know, <laughs> and just work on everything. So a couple takeaways. One was that you weren't running the side hustle randomly. Just whenever I have time to do it, I'll do it. You ran the side hustle like a job morning, lunchtime, evening time, and you almost have something to look forward to. You work hard during the day and here's my treat to then follow back up with people. But also you, and this is an expression that when I built my business over the past 25 years, it was called take from sleep. And that was, you can do it long-term, but to build the business, you have to pay the price. There's always a price to be paid and people want to put it on credit these days but it's almost a cash only payment that you only you can make and i might sleep 4 or 5 hours a day those those first uh, you know those first couple of years but you had to do it to steal time for the dream you know? Yep. And now now I could literally sleep 12 hours a day if I wanted to. Right, so right. It's, like, it's like, now I'm catching up on all my sleep. Uh, so it all works out. And, and something else I just want to drive home for your listeners is that we all have 168 hours yes. in the week. We all have that same amount of time. If you can find three hours in your day, that's 21 hours to work on your side hustle. And that means you don't even have to work all Saturday and Sunday even to, to get that many hours. That's a lot of time. And I think people like make the excuse like they don't have a time 
time to start their side hustle or work on their passion project. And that's just really not true. They're just not utilizing their time effectively. Mm. And I know it gets more difficult when you have children and things like that. I, at the time, like I don't have children, so that worked out in my favor. But even still, I think that everybody can find two or three hours in their day to work on something that they love. Well, as you called it a passion project, I mean, when you're driving to help make the world better, you just find a reason to do it. Oh my gosh, you know, and yeah. often I'll use the example of, you know, if, if my family, God forbid, were in a situation where I just had to back myself against the wall and make something happen, there, there's Hala, an intensity that comes out that forces me to get it done. And I think what I'm hearing you say is, look, people, if you've got a dream, 2022 can be your year to freaking make it happen, but you've got to be the person to choose to do it. And you've got the time to do it. Yes. Other people are going to do it, but you want to reach out there and grab that brass ring. How did you know when it was time to leave Disney and run Young and Profiting full-time? Was there a revenue goal you met? Was there a podcast download goal you had? What was it that said, this is my moment? Well, there's a few things. First of all, I'll, all I could think about was my podcast and my agency. So I quit Disney by the time COVID hit. When COVID hit, that's what actually unlocked even more time for me to start my agency. Okay. Because all of a sudden, I didn't have a commute anymore. So that unlocked like three more hours of my time. You know, I could... And I just had a little bit more time for me to actually start something that was monetizable. By the second month of launching the agency, I got my first really huge client who paid me $30,000 a month. And that just like... Unlocked everything yes, because I was yes, like, oh my yes. gosh, at the time I was, I was, I was, uh, managing a team of volunteers. I literally had fans who volunteered, uh, for me to just teach them how to do podcast production, how to do video editing, how to do social media. I would just teach all these interns. They were young people. Some of them were even older and they worked for free for me for over two years. So once we started getting clients, I was like, okay, guys, I can pay you now. Nobody ever expected that. Right, we did right. not know we were going to, we just were working on, we just thought we were going to be the biggest podcast in the world. We did not know we were going to start this agency, but there was just so much demand. There was so much product market fit. And I, I started having to decide like, okay, if I keep working at Disney, then I have to reject people who want to be my clients. And once there was like that shift where I was like, I'm actually going to lose money by staying at Disney. And I knew I could pay myself the same salary I was making. That's when I quit. And actually I could have quit a lot earlier. I was making a lot of money and had like five major clients. I was Kara Golden of Hint Water was my client and I was still working at Disney. Yes, like yes. I, I I had like a lot going on. Uh, and it was really because I was a, a scarred from my first entrepreneurship experience. And I wanted to make sure like this was really, really a non-risk for me. So it really depends on your, your appetite for risk. I wanted to wait until I was 100% golden. And I had a lot of cash in the bank for, for in my business bank account, not just my personal, that right, like right. my business could keep my business afloat, not that I could keep my business afloat. And once I was able to do that, and I knew that the the me staying at Disney would actually prevent me from making more money in my, my Gap Media agency, that's when I decided to quit. That's powerful. That is so powerful. Just the drive I hear in your voice to create something bigger. I mean, you said we wanted to make it the biggest podcast ever. And, and did you find in leading that group of volunteers, Paula, what was it that motivated them to buy into your vision? 
first of all, they were all fans of the show. So they were all fans of the show who primarily reached out to me on LinkedIn and, and were like, Hala, I'm obsessed with your show. It's amazing. How can I help? I want more people to hear this. I, you need to be the biggest podcaster in the world. Yeah. And so they were just gung-ho. And then once you know, I, I started a Slack channel, um, and brought everybody in there. And then there was this sense of community. Like we're all like on the Yap team and and I'm teaching them how to do social media and video editing and podcast production. These are all skills that are not that easy. You can't just like go to school for podcasting. Right. And so they got usable skills. Some of them moved on to their own thing and some of them have quit their jobs to work for me now. And so we've all just like started this company together. It's, it's honestly been such a beautiful experience because it was such a natural progression. It's like we had this idea Idea. We started a podcast. We did that well. And then everything we did for my podcast, we then turned into a service that we offered to our clients. So it's like we always practice with me first, figure it out with, with my brand and my podcast, and then scale it out to our clients. Hold tight, everyone. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Hey, Yap Fam. Starting my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass was one of the best things I've ever done for my business. I didn't have to waste time figuring out all the nuts and bolts of setting up a website that had everything I needed, like a way to buy my course, subscription offerings, chat functionality, and so on, because it was super easy with Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, whether you're selling your first product, finally taking your side hustle full time, or making half a million dollars from your masterclass like me. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered as you scale. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to other options out there. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., from huge shoe brands like Allbirds to vegan cosmetic brands like Thrive Cosmetics. Actually, back on episode 253, I interviewed the CEO and founder of Thrive Cosmetics, Carissa Bodnar, and she told me about how she set up her store with Shopify and it was so plug and play, her store exploded right away. Even for a makeup artist type girl with no coding skills, it was easy for her to open up a shop and start her dream job as an entrepreneur. That was nearly a decade ago, and now it's even easier to sell more with less thanks to AI tools like Shopify Magic. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. So you can focus on the important stuff, the stuff you like to do, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting, and that's all lowercase. If you want to start that side hustle you've always dreamed of, if you want to start that business you can't stop thinking about, if you have a great idea, what are you waiting for? Start your store on Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. Shopify.com slash profiting for $1 per month trial period. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. 
Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm gonna like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Paula, one of the words that keeps coming to my mind as we're talking is just the word value. You know, some would argue that, well, why would Halla teach other people how to do a podcast? Because they might compete against her. I've not heard you say that word once in our entire time together. You're all about collaboration. So what is it that keeps those collaboration glasses on and not the ones that say competition on them? Well, first of all, having a team allowed me for a long time to have a full-time job. So there was a lot of value for me as well. So I knew that it was a give-and-take relationship. I needed to keep teaching them so they felt like they were learning and progressing. And so they honestly got more and more skills. And once they were really good at something, unfortunately... For for I couldn't have them just keep doing the same thing and not getting paid. So I have right. would have to teach them the next thing and get somebody else to to learn what they had been working on and, and helping me with. So really that team enabled me to also work that full-time job and maximize the number of hours that in totality all of us were working on the podcast. So that's another clue there because I think it's 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 not the full story if I say that I did it all on my own. It was all me just not watching TV and and you know working six or eight hours a day on my side hustle on top of my full-time job. I also had a team that was helping me scale and I really took the time to train my team. And a lot of the hours that I would do would be creating templates and and uh you know uh, processes and 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 uh operations operations, uh, practices so that we could scale and I could replicate what I do and scale it out. And so that was a lot of it as well as actually teaching my team how to do what I do so that essentially there was a lot of mini-me's running around uh, helping me scale this podcast and business. I love that. I love that. And uh, note to our listeners, listen to this podcast multiple times because I'll be doing that as well. Holly, you're delivering real nuggets of gold here. Let me shift over to money. It is the Good Money Podcast. I'm curious when it comes to money, what is it that motivates you? 
I think money is a tool that uh, people can use for evil or good. So I like to associate it with something like a knife, right? A knife can be really dangerous and you can stab people and you can do really bad things. But knives can also save people's lives and untangle things and help you cut food and do really positive things. So money is a tool and you can use it for good or bad. It just depends who you are. And I feel like you need a certain amount of money to uh, sustain yourself and to do good in this world. And so when people have this negative feeling towards money, it's terrible because you're just like not attracting money into your life and everything is just like an uphill battle. I love money. I want to be as rich as possible because I know I'm going to do good with my money. And that I want to have... I can feed other people, hire more people, serve my clients better, help other people learn and become more profiting in their lives. And eventually, like I want to be a philanthropist. So my goal is to get as rich as possible so I can do as good as possible. Well, and that lines up with, you know, my new book comes out, Good Money Revolution. And one of the comments there is how to teach people to make more money to do more good. So many people think of money like this stagnant pawn that other people have it. And if I don't have it, I don't have it. But it's actually this stream that just flows. And the more you make of it, as you said, the more jobs you can provide, the more good you can do, the more you feel good about the world and the impact you're having. So it's all about flipping that script. And it's why I wanted to have you on the show to give people a real example of, look, here's a woman who is going for it. Not everything perfect. You're very real, very raw. But you have a desire and a dream. And that's what it takes to be successful. You know, for someone who's been told, maybe growing up or in culture today, that if you make a lot of money, you're a bad person, what would you say to them? That's absolutely ridiculous. Making money does not make you a bad person. Like making money, money is an echo of value, Mm, right? I like that. Yes. The more people that you serve, the more money that you're going to make, the more value that you provide, the more money that you can make. If you provide a lot of value, you're naturally just going to make more money. That's all you need to do is think about how much value can I bring? How many people can I serve? That's all that matters. And so if, if people who make money are evil, that means that anybody who produces value is evil. And that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. And, you know, whether it's people growing up or culture today tries to vilify the wealthy, but I think we need more people like yourself and other entrepreneurs to say, look, I like money because of the good it can do by adding value. I like that you said that, you know, money is an echo of value. That is so well said. Well, as we wrap things up, Paul, if there was one takeaway that you want to leave our listeners with today, what would that be? I would say to take a risk and follow your dreams. Mm. If I had never started the podcast and decided like, hey, I've got this talent I've got the know-how. I know I can put two and two together. It's not going to be an easy road. It's going to be a long road, but I'm willing to go the distance and be consistent. And I just took it step by step. And I honestly look back and I like, every time I think about it, I want to cry because I'm like, man, like what if I just, it's only been three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. It's not that long, you know, but everything accelerated very quickly the last year, you know, but the first two years was really difficult. And so I just want everybody to know that if you have have a feeling in your gut, like I 
need to be doing something different, if you feel like you're drifting in your life, you're doing something you don't really love, take the time and put the time aside as as, as little or as much time as you have to start working on that passion project and just take it step by step every single day. And, and as you get the results, you'll be more motivated to keep going and going. And who knows where you can turn up because here I am, you know, three and a half years later, number one podcast, interviewed Matthew McConaughey on the cover of podcast magazine, a company with 60 employees, over $2 million in our first year, like starting a podcast network. Who knows where we're going to be? I can't even imagine where we'll be in another three years. So it's anything is possible. And momentum begets momentum. And Paula, one last thing. Would you say people should wait till their plan is perfect or just take action on a half-baked plan? Just take action. Just start. Just take massive action. That is the key. You can stay forever in planning mode and you will never get any results. And by the way, motivation comes after action, not before. So you need to actually take action so that you can get the feedback and become more motivated. So take action because otherwise you'll lose steam and never get started. Hala Taha, this has been a great conversation. I promised people she was going to deliver the goods and the goods have been delivered. Thank you for being on Good Money. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, Derek.